0: Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season four of the 100 Masked Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about self-identity, self-worth, and self-love. On the theme of building better relationships, this week we're focusing on the most important relationship, the one we have with ourselves. Masked Man number 79 is the isolated man he shares his experience about living alone for the first time and getting really comfortable with himself. And that begins with a lot of discomfort. And he gets so used to being alone that socializing with people is kind of more of a challenge these days. And I'm sure we can all relate to this, especially after having a lockdown. In this episode, we talk about feelings of resentment that we might feel when we're in a relationship and the other person might be making plans on behalf of us. I can definitely relate to this and I get really upset about this. But I don't think that anyone intentionally tries to exclude the other from making a decision for the both of us, the whole we statement. But how do we keep our eyes open for those nonverbal cues that might suggest that someone is uncomfortable about speaking up? And how do we try to avoid Expecting the other to just read our minds. Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Well, I have been wanting to be more aware of my mental health because growing up in a traditional Nigerian family, it's not, it's not spoken much of. Like mental health is not spoken much of. It's, it's something that's only come into my life in my later years, but it was something I suppressed as I was younger and growing up. So as I um, as I sort of explore and unlock all of these emotions, it's sort of like, what else is there? Like, why do I act in a certain way? Why do I act like this? Why do I act like that? Mm-hmm. So it's more of just like an intrigue to want to discover and get behind why I myself tick. And just in general, it's because I have a general interest in how humans tick and how people like the thoughts they have behind their actions and why they're doing their actions. Mm -hmm. So to really discover that, you have to really get to the bottom of yourself first.
0: Yeah. I think everyone's really curious about other people. You know, that's why we love gossip and we love watching reality TV. And and we're all
1: social humans. So Mm -hmm. we we want to gossip and we want to know all those things.
0: Yeah. And I think it takes a a big shift for you to switch to being curious about yourself, right? Because you're just watching other people. So was there something that you're just observing how you're acting with other people that you're just like, wait a minute, this is all me? Like, was there a tipping point for you?
1: My tipping point, um, it would have to be, I would see myself in certain situations and ask myself, am I actually having fun in this situation? And it swayed from, I'm actually having a lot of fun too. I don't really want to be here. And when it was at that absolute point of, I don't want to be here, I wanted to find out why I was forcing myself to go to these things, to be in these places. Like, did I actually want to be here or was I here for someone else? And that sort of opened the door to the whole idea of me discovering to turn up for myself um, and going on that, like, just that, that self-discovery journey, I would say, like, a spiritual journey of some sorts.
2: Yeah.
0: What, um, what's an example of something that you didn't want to be at?
1: Uh, just for example like social situations let's say social situations that you used to enjoy but you find yourself feeling uncomfortable in them
0: yeah I think it's interesting the first time you realize like hey my company's actually better than this person's mm. company exactly what are some examples of maybe reasons why you would have wanted to stay um, in someone else's company because I think like I don't think I was very curious about my own company. I was more admiring other people's company or I Mm. I aspired to be in their company.
1: I think that was more the same as me. I would always be in a situation to, because sometimes you feel that, you know how you are not the biggest personality in the room. So you do like to be around that magnetic energy just so you can feed off it and feed off it and sort of be entertained by it. But, you don't know that you have your own sort of charismatic energy about you. Like there is no one else like you. So being in your own company is discovering that I liked to be in my own company was liberating. That shift from wanting to be in other people's company and wanting to impress other people. I think that was another big thing. Trying to, you wanted to be around because you wanted to be accepted by other people, either because you didn't feel Like I didn't feel like I was good enough or I was always seeking validation or acceptance from people who I thought were higher than myself.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Where do you think that came from? Because now you're saying that you are looking deeper into yourself as well as kind of like the origins of those feelings. So how was your upbringing like? When did you, you're in Australia, right?
1: So I I was actually born in Australia, but I all my upbringing was like my parents had me a year after they had come from Nigeria.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So um, it was quite a harsh upbringing and typical like it's it's typically you you need to be this you need to be yeah have you have all these expectations sort of put onto you like there's a high standard and if you don't meet those you feel like a disappointment or you feel like you are disappointing your parents. Mm-hmm. So there was always that. There was always that need to try and be a perfectionist in everything that I do, like either sport or um, with school. So when things don't go your way, you just want to try harder. Like you're doing things for the sake of someone else, namely my parents. You're doing things for the sake of wanting to impress them. Um, And then when you don't impress them, you try harder. And I think that sort of thing, it it wears down at your self-esteem a little bit. I'm not going to lie, it does, but it bleeds out into your friendships as well. Just like any sort of childhood drama would sort of bleed into your personal life.
0: Mm -hmm. Were you an only child?
1: No, I'm I'm the eldest of four. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was, well, I was the first guinea pig and then Mm -hmm. the rest of my siblings. While I was treated the most harshly, my siblings as my siblings have gone along, it's been progressively better. Like I've seen my parents actually develop, develop and they pick it up as you go along. Like I see the way they treat my sister now and it's a lot different to how I was treated at her age. Mm. So there's really that progression as well. It's been good to see.
0: So would you say your relationship with your parents is a bit better and you've kind of been able to um, heal from those high expectations that you put on yourself
1: yeah well my my relationship with my parents has been a lot better recently in the last two three years um whereas before I didn't feel like I could talk to my parents about anything but right now it's a lot better um probably after this call I'm gonna jump on a I'm gonna jump on a zoom call with them as well after this but but at first I could not speak to my parents about anything, or I'd feel shame about speaking to my parents about anything if it wasn't something about success or on um, succeeding in uni
2: mm-hmm.
0: So how did you end up moving away from that where it was kind of like, hey, how about let's talk about what makes me happy like what was there um a moment, a shift that that had to happen?
1: This was two or three years ago now, it was a while ago now. I went back to where the, my hometown went back to my hometown because for a night, because I actually had to, um, end a relationship from a different state. So I had gone home and I asked, this is the first time I asked my dad for advice on anything to do with, to do with love or to do with life. And I remember that was one of the first times I cried in front of my parents when he gave me his advice because it was the first time he told me that he was proud of me. So I think that was a huge, like properly proud of me without adding a but you could do this, but you could do that.
2: Wow! So it
1: was a very like shifting moment for me, I think. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, because I think that's like real life finally, right? Before it was just like, you're just a success machine. Yeah, exactly. Right, there wasn't a human aspect to it. What was the the problem in your relationship that you wanted advice on or like what happened?
1: um it was just seeing if it was the right thing to do because I knew i had I needed to do it, but it was just how to deliver like how to deliver the news or if it's if I'm just thinking irrationally at the time so I just wanted to get that false perspective because I think at like at the age I was, it was very hard to comprehend and make sure i was doing everything for the right reasons i didn't want to say something in a way that was dishonest or offensive to anyone so i wanted to ask my parents to see how is the best way to deliver this without sort of hurting the other person or and again this is me wanting to people please everyone Mm -hmm. this is me not wanting to this is me sitting on the fence and not wanting to upset anyone
0: so there's there's kind of two things. You said you wanted to you wanted to know first if this was the right decision. And then you yeah. wanted to know how to act right yeah. from that decision. So why why did you think, why were you on the fence about whether or not this person wasn't right for you? And and then how did you kind of deliver that news?
1: I well, I discovered the person wasn't right for me because yeah. even while we were together, there were things that were happening that I didn't align with because I had this thought in my mind that I'm not good enough. There was that bit of me that was hanging on to anything that would have me. So like when I knew that it's not what I wanted, I would either start finding my own way, finding my own ways of almost sabotaging or trying to get out of the, like trying to get out of the situation
0: mm-hmm. because
1: I didn't want to confront it like head on. Cause I didn't want to offend or upset the other person.
0: Okay, so you're saying that you you didn't want to upset the other person, so you were kind of like tiptoeing around the relationship, I guess, and then feeling yeah. like unworthy, right? And then yeah. you're like, okay, maybe this isn't right for me. Is it the person that's not right for you, or you're not ready for a relationship of that kind of it, level?
1: It was the person was the person wasn't right for me, but because I didn't want to hurt or offend the other person and because i had such little self like i just wanted to hold on to anything that would want me Mm, okay um do you kind of get what i'm saying
0: yeah so you because uh you kind of thought that that was the the best you can get or like you might as well stick with it right
1: yeah
2: yeah
0: okay and then you're realizing like hey we this isn't the best fit
1: this isn't yeah this isn't Mm -hmm. right for me
0: okay so then how did you deliver the news
1: I came over and I sat down and I said, um, at the time, I said that because we, have, we had had fights of me, little things that she would do and i tried try to bring it up, but I would feel disregarded like how she would respond to myself. And I do bring these up and I do tell her that and I was feel like I was never heard in the relationship.
0: So, What's, what's an example of that?
1: An example of that would be I feel I was gaslighted a lot. If I said that something upset me, I would be made to feel. I'd be made to feel guilty for. Okay, I've got one example. There was a Christmas dinner one year, and she asked me to pick her up, and that's fine. I would, like, pick up. She wasn't able to drive. I'm fine with driving here and there, but I'm not fine with when it's just an expectation of me to drive someone so it came to a point when it was it was just expected that I would drive it was just expected that I would drive and there was no asking there was no can you drive it was just can you pick like pick me up that sort of thing so I, I felt so disregarded at that stage that my plans and my my time was disregarded
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I felt it, it has a you have a you have a feeling of being cheap in that moment
2: okay so
0: I mean if you were in a more secure mindset and you were in a a long-term relationship I'm assuming with this person and usually you drive so it would be normally expected that you would just be the one to drive yeah right so and I don't think you would mind that if you were in a a good state right like a mind state so I think it was like that contribution of that so how would you want that to be different next time with a new partner
1: with a new partner I want them to consider that maybe some like maybe I wouldn't be able to drive all the time I wouldn't be able to do I wouldn't be able to do some things for my own plans to be considered okay. um, uh, instead of my plans being the second like my plans being the secondary
0: Okay, so was she more like we're going to this dinner party? Pick me up at this time, and there was no like conversation about. Yeah, and you just had to drop everything, and like the assumption was made. So I think it's more about the fact that like your plans for the evening were already set, and not so much about the driving part.
1: Yeah, it was more about the lack of discussion, the lack of um, collaboration. Mm. I think. I'm, I was just using the driving as an example, but it was, it was the lack of collaboration that okay. sort of gets to you, especially when it's happening over and over again.
2: Yeah, I think
0: that's hard because I'm I'm torn with that because sometimes I'm in a relationship with someone and I want them to invite me into whatever they're doing, but I don't want them to tell me like tonight we're going to go hang out with the guys and you're mm. coming and I'm like, wait, <laughs> do I get a say on where we're going or you know you're just going to assume that I had nothing to do and I mean it makes sense to assume that because I probably am here just to see you but I think it's like if they're going to take that time to do something on top which involves like a social group where then like you're not ready for that I think this happens to me a lot with friends when I'm like Mm. hoping to have like a coffee date with an old friend and then she's like oh no we're going to meet with like four other friends. I'm like, oh, this is a group situation. Like I wasn't mentally prepared for that, nor mm. do I want to hang out with all of your additional friends that like, I'm not <laughs> like mega close with. So I think when it's that situation, I just like politely say, okay, cool. Well, like I didn't know it was a group thing, so I'll pass tonight mm. and then I'll, I'll do another night. So like, would you now be a little bit more comfortable to say that to your partner? If your partner's like, Hey, we're going to meet with my my friends or my family and we're going to do this for dinner and blah, blah, blah. And you can just be like, okay, cool. Like you have company. I'm just going to pass on this one.
1: Yeah. I'm definitely more okay with not wanting, like not going along with tasks or settings just to please. I used to be very bad at confrontation as well. That was another thing that I was not good at, but now I find it a lot easier to tell someone if I am uncomfortable in a situation that look, Like, if it's not you and I, maybe I will pass on it tonight. Maybe we'll we'll set up a schedule for another time. But for right now, time was planned between the two of us. Maybe we should organize it for another time. And also back to the point that you just said, would you also say that when you do plan to see other people and then it ends up being a group thing, in your mind, do you sort of have the feeling that maybe your company isn't enough or you feel that you're... Not as interesting to carry a conversation, or be that bigger character in the situation.
0: Interesting. Is that is that what you started to think? Yeah. Really.
1: When people bring additional people into our one-on-one, it's like maybe I'm not interesting enough to hold this interaction the whole time.
0: And okay, are you are you more of an introvert than an extrovert? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm
1: more introvert. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm like an, a natural extrovert. I mean, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I used to be a bartender before everything locked down. So for me, mm. it was, it was pretty natural. I think I got the opposite where people wanted to bring their friends so that they could be cool in my presence, oh, you know? Yeah. So I had to just like, I had to prepare my energy level because like as extroverted as I am, I can't like spread it thin mm. to to like a whole bunch of people so I'm just like protective about my energy and yeah, it's, it's more like okay guys like I wasn't planning for this I didn't uh, I didn't fill up my cup <laughs> enough for this um, yeah. so yeah interesting that you thought it was more like I'm not enough for this company because I would never think that
1: yeah for me it's sort of I have to hype myself if I'm going into a situation where I know that there's going to be big personalities like I have to like you say uh, refill your cup I have to sort of just try and pour enough in to match everyone else's at least that's what I thought in the past but there have been times in the past where I would feel that when someone wants to bring another person into the setting they maybe think that I'm that they'll need a buffer between them and myself to carry to make sure the conversation doesn't get dead or doesn't get boring. Was
0: there something that happen that made you think that way like maybe if it's like a a threesome group and then they're talking more than you are talking and you're just kind of like wow I've been quiet for the last hour
1: that's sort of a normal that can be a normal situation or you feel that you can't contribute to conversations because you're either so out of touch of what they're saying or you just don't have like you're just not able to like contribute or even your contribution is just like brushed off or not acknowledged
0: yeah I think there's um something to say about big personalities like I used to be that where Mm. I would take up most of the talking space and it would always be about me and then when anyone said something I'd make it more about me and then I started to reflect and realize like I never asked this person that's the question back like I didn't say like oh what about you I I just kept talking about myself but I was used to I guess the city environment where I'd say like, hey, guess what happened? This, 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 this. And the other person would be like, no way. Like, guess what happened to me? Blah, blah, blah. But if I met someone that didn't have that personality to share their stuff without me prompting them, then it could be a completely one-sided conversation the whole time. Yeah,
1: yeah they would feel, they wouldn't know when to jump in. Like they wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't know when to come in when you're talking about yourself. And especially if you're not giving them the chance, if you weren't giving them the chance to come in, it's very hard for them to pick a moment to come in because they don't want to be overwhelmed by this bigger personality
2: Mm. okay so
0: i can understand why now you're just like that's going to take so much for you to like (laughs) choose the right time to be like okay now my turn and (laughs) you know without someone inviting you to do so right and then i think that goes into your relationships if like they just make the decision for you you're like oh shit like it's already been decided before even you right
1: so i might as well go along with it like it's Um, but I think that also sort of it builds up that sort of that mentality builds up a lot of resentment I think as that happens and happens and happens you find yourself drifting out like less more and more out of the like more and more out of relationship and it just adds that added stress added anxiety to Mm -hmm. like to situations that don't need to be brought up or situations that don't need to be addressed in the way that you might address them
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah I think that's hard because coming from the other side like I had no idea that I was creating this type of resentment because I didn't I didn't know that I needed to say that mm-hmm. because I'm so used to someone else saying like oh shit like that," I can't believe that happened well this is my thought and then I didn't I didn't realize that they might have needed me to prompt them or question them be like hey what about you like how was your day and and all of that hmm. so i can see why on your end you're, you're feeling that way but how would you want to communicate that to someone that like they're not doing this on purpose right
1: i would be more comfortable now in telling someone when i do want to be prompted more or included in the conversation more but i would i think i'd more say it around the way of like look i know you're very good at talking i admire i admire that um there are times where i feel that i'm not able to Express what I truly want to express because I don't have the opportunity to. It would be nice if we could work together to sort of try and create those opportunities for me to share. So it's sort of like a collaborative effort. It's not them, it's not putting all the force on them to give me a prompt to talk. It's like we're sort of working at it together.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And then how would you want to make sure that that's actually happening? Because, like, most people might take that as like oh shit this person isn't happy with me so now I'm gonna like overcompensate I'm gonna try and do it this way and maybe they're not they're you know they're still used to their old habits right so how are you hmm. gonna be like hey like just a reminder or I don't know how how would you want to like switch that moving forward so that you guys end up doing this a little bit you know better together
1: I think it's more along the lines of like you said going up to like going to them and saying like sometimes I miss what I want to put out there if you're able to give me more time or more chance to be able to contribute what I want to say to a conversation like that would be really appreciated Mm -hmm.
0: would you bring back a conversation that you felt that you were unheard with
1: those sort of things um if it's I, have, I sort of have this saying that not everything needs to be brought up. Mm-hmm. So if I am able to get over it, it's not something that I would bring up again, but if it's obviously bothering me, I will say something about it again. But like I said, not everything needs to be not everything needs to be brought up again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the way I determine what needs to be brought up and what doesn't need to be brought up, if I keep on thinking about it, if it's something that I can't forget, it definitely needs to be brought up again.
0: Because if you're saying like you wanted to, you wanted more time to contribute more to the conversation, right? Mm. Then you would probably bring up every conversation back, you know? And it, it maybe you don't care about this conversation, but you mm. would bring it back just to practice more, you know, for yourself to be like, hey, like I didn't get my chance to speak about this subject. So I just want to like bring that back. Mm. Um, because if you pick and choose which one, then you're, you're choosing which one's more worthy. And, and maybe it has to do with like, Oh well, this one is specifically about our relationship. But like, if you want to, you know, encourage more of your own ability to speak about all subjects, you know, hey, like I didn't like the way you said this. Yeah. You know, so it's not as personal. So it's Um, really
1: bringing back every sort of every sort of conversation. mm -hmm. So practicing every sort of conversation and bringing back if you do feel there's a time when you don't feel like you. Fully said what you wanted to say to get that practice bringing back conversations that aren't as personal and Mm -hmm. that aren't as impacting on the relationship yeah like
0: I know especially if I talk to a partner or someone that I'm potentially dating about sex and consent and stuff like that and I could be really harsh about it because it's about my body Mm. and then I I kind of sleep on it and I recognize like, oh, I really shut this person down. Like maybe they have questions and I'm taking it as a a personal attack or I'm taking it as like they want it to be done a certain way and they're like not listening to me. So I would bring it back and I'd say like, hey, like I'm just recognizing I was really short with you the other day. So we can bring this conversation back up if you have questions. But, you know, I just want you to know that it's triggering Mm. for me or it's alarming for me and I might react by like speaking a bit more aggressively but like don't take it like I'm aggressively at you it's more aggressive a a topic so yeah situation and a topic yeah you know do you think that's challenging to do like do you think more people are not understanding about that because I think like when I started to do that people were really appreciative of me like bringing back a conversation but I had to start it
1: yeah that is challenging to do especially if you I think ego, like ego, somewhat comes into play as well here. Like, if you don't want to, you don't want to bring it back up because you just want to, you just expect the other person to already know, to already know that it's upset you or it's a situation that's a little bit sensitive for you. So you just expect them to be able to bring it back up so you can talk about it. It is very hard saying to the other person, like, look, I didn't say everything I needed to say. Can we talk about this more? And this isn't a personal attack on you. It is very hard. Like I found it myself. It is very hard to say that, especially when you're sort of admitting that you have a vulnerability mm-hmm. in an area. It's very hard for you to admit it to someone else. And that's why I say like ego. It's very hard to admit that you want to revisit and it's something that offended you or hurt you that you want to resolve
2: mm-hmm.
0: but like wouldn't you rather admit that hey like i'm vulnerable about this i reacted kind of weird about it because at least that's like being truthful versus yeah. like oh i'm just gonna expect the other person to to just understand that i'm upset based on my body language or whatever it is and no, then you, come back, ra- you right? would
2: rather
1: you would rather you would rather that but it is hard to get to that stage to where just being transparent, just being fully, not wanting to make myself look like a fool, just wanting to get to the bottom of things was very hard. Like for me, it was very hard to get to.
0: Yeah. I mean, why would you think that that looks like a fool if you're just admitting to the truth? Like both of you knew that maybe you were acting a certain way or being closed off or you know whatever because I, like for me it would be worse like if I got if I shut down a conversation I got really closed off and then that person was like oh shit like they're mad at me or whatever they're thinking like I would want to correct that to be like hey it's not about you right like you oh, want to restore uh, that
1: yeah you know? no sorry I think I miss. I think I misunderstood what you said earlier but um yeah I would definitely want to if that person seems down because it seems like I've offended them, I'll definitely want to try and resolve. I'll definitely try and resolve that because it's a lot better for them to not go around thinking that I'm unhappy with them for something that's happened. I'd rather, I would rather resolve it rather than keeping it to myself and rather than trying to get them to come to me in a different way.
0: Yeah, but this is the thing. I just reversed it for you because that's the same thing, right? Yeah. Like, there's no way that you can expect that person that's hurt to come to you, right? Mm. So if you're the one that's hurt, like, you can't expect that person to just randomly apologize or, like, know that you're feeling that way. Both of you have to come together at that. You
1: have to come together, right? yeah.
0: So if, if you're the one that kind of made the other person feel bad and you're just more aware of it, then you can bring it up. But if you're unaware, like you'll never bring it up. And then the person on the receiving end is always going to be like, wow, this person's such a jerk. Like didn't even like can't can't read my mind. Like can't notice yeah. all these these signs, right? So wh- whichever side that you're on, how would you want to make sure that both of you feel good?
1: It's literally just communication. The, you need to make the other person aware. You need to not bottle things and not. I think it's not be petty, not be petty. You do you do need to voice your like you need to voice your voice as corny as that sounds you need to say how you are feeling and if the other person has upset you you do need to make it clear that they have upset you Mm -hmm. and if you're upset by someone else um that person the only way that you can sort of resolve that is if they do come to you and try to resolve that as well
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So would you say that it's easier to come back at something when you know that you've visibly made someone feel bad about something incorrectly versus you actively revealing a vulnerable state about how you feel about yourself?
1: I think it's easier to come back to a situation when you, when you see that someone is physically more upset by something that you have done or vice versa. Is it because
0: it's physical and you can like see it like if that person was like crying or you were crying or something
1: it's a little easier to see whereas the the other one that you've mentioned is a little it's a little bit harder to know so it's easy it's a lot easier to see like if you have made someone upset it is very easy to like to recognize that and to come back to it and to bring up that conversation again to sort of make things right
0: because when I think of that it's like you're just reacting right so then all yeah. of your interactions are reactionary it's just kind of like oh this person reacted positively or negatively if it's negative let's reverse it and make it positive whereas yeah. like if you want a deeper connection with someone you really have to start doing those prompts of vulnerability and like start with that and I think that's like a big thing I learned from from doing these interviews like I have to start because I can't just expect the other person just like okay here's an open book like you know that <laughs> you you have to start first, and then say something, and then they'll reciprocate, and then you'll find different ways, and then you want to check in, right? So, what are some things that you have recently been okay to express about your own vulnerability to to other people?
1: So, I've just recently started living alone, and this is the first time I've ever this is the first time I've ever lived alone. Um, I've always either lived with family or with housemates. Um. So moving out was by myself was a big step for me, and moving in by yourself you obviously very like you obviously get very lonely. It's a time when you can let your thoughts sort of sway, sway into dark times, and it's very easy to get lost in the loneliness. Essentially, um, I feel that was one of my most vulnerable moments was when I was like it was maybe the first two nights living. Maybe the first two nights living in this place, I didn't have a bed yet. Bed was still on the way, furniture. Uh, that was the time I felt the most vulnerable. The time when any little thing that happened in my day would just make me snap. Like, would, there were times I was crying, like, I would cry at work when a boss just told me to straighten up, can this suddenly. Mm-hmm. Just little moments of like, I think fragility is the right word. I'm not sure if I'm getting the name, uh, word fragility and vulnerability mixed up, but it was very, a time when you were very easy to, you found it very easy to crack in a way until you got used to being happy with who you are with yourself.
0: That's amazing. I think. So are you saying that like when you were by yourself, you couldn't like, I guess, move the attention away from any, anything else but yourself, right? because you're you're alone like you can't get mad at someone for not doing the dishes because you're the only one responsible when it's that and then if a boss like whatever reprimands you for something you're like oh my god this is like another thing that's yeah this wrong is with another me. thing
1: that I've done yeah mm-hmm. that's why it was really that's, at that time it was very hard but then as you get better and better you get better like owning your own space and owning your own like this This like deciding your own city. you come back home and it's clean because you you willed it to be clean because you, you cleaned it (laughs) before you left and it's come back and it's the way you left it. You feel like you have more things under control. And that's in a way, like you said before, it's a little bit empowering when you do things and you have, you take a step back and you say, I did this. Like I, you look around and you say, I did this. I know how it was before, but I know how it is now. And I recognize the progress and you just have to step back and remember all the times like, I, like I did this.
0: How, um, how long have you been living alone?
1: Um, I moved into here at the start of April, so about two months now. But this place wasn't ready to live in until maybe a month ago because oh, okay. I was working I was working, uh, five or six days a week and I was only coming back here to sleep until I quit that job.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I had very little time to actually make this place feel comfortable for myself. And that was another thing that added pressure uh, to my whole living situation.
0: That you that you can really live in it? That you're just sleeping in it?
1: Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't feel like I was living in it. I just felt like I was sleeping. Like I would just come back to the mattress and then get up at nine a.m. and then go to work, and then come back to uh, come back to the apartment at nine o'clock at night and then fall asleep. So it didn't really it didn't feel one hundred percent like home until recently.
0: Okay. I want to wrap up with a couple of questions now that you have, have started to spend this time alone and, and learn more about yourself, you know, as you enter the world again (laughs) and, and you're kind of saying like, okay, now I'm noticing which ones I don't want to be in, which ones I do. So if you wanted to put yourself out there, what kind of challenges do you think you need to go through to to choose that, that path and make sure that like, you're going to go in with the full new version of yourself? If
1: I wanted to put myself out there, I had to make sure that I'm putting the most authentic, real version of myself without any, without, and operating without any regret or any, without holding myself back. So if I was to come into a new situation, a new, say, a new relationship or a new way of living or situation, I would always approach it with a mindset of I want to do it first of all, I want to do it for me and I want to make sure I don't leave, I leave everything on the table with no regret. So if I say to myself, "I, I," maybe I could have acted differently or maybe I can act differently to return to that situation and make sure that it's resolved and that it's right and that I handle the situation in a way that is true to myself.
0: And what are some fears that are stopping you from doing that? So
1: the thing that would be stopping me the most, I would have to be like I said, the fear of being judged or the fear of being silenced that's the main fear. Mm-hmm. But like I said, um, it's coming to a stage where I don't really fear what people people judge of me anymore because I'm putting out my most authentic self and having the most fun mm-hmm. and doing what I enjoy so that's really all that matters right now
0: mm-hmm. yeah like people are going to judge no matter what right so you will as well judge the real version instead of the fake version instead gonna... <laughs> of the fake
1: version and you can't please everyone
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah so it's more rewarding if you do put out that real version of yourself and you've realized how you realize how much fun how much fun you have being the real version of you and how much less filtering you have to do, how easy a life is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: What is something that you learned about yourself that you're really happy about?
1: I'm really patient. Yeah? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I always knew I was patient. I just didn't realize to what extent. Um, but there have been some situations that have happened to me in the last few months. And I realized how patient I actually am as a person. I know it's easy to say I'm patient, but there have been things that have happened that have tested my patience. And mm-hmm. any, sort, any sort of normal, when I tell people, I tell people and I, I say the words. And then after I've said that, I just, I kind of look at them. and say, it sounds pretty messed up. When, you, when do you say it like that? And then obviously the next, the next question is, how did you have the patience? Or how did you manage that? Um, so I think it was, I learned how patient I really am in the last few months.
0: Can you, can you name the example of like a moment?
1: So re, this would have been two, two months ago, two, three months ago, um, I ended another relationship. And for maybe a month, we still lived in the same house so while i looked for this new place i'm currently living in so i had to be very i had to be very patient with the whole transition between going from living every day in the same bed with the same person to you're not together with this person anymore i had it was a lot of couch surfing while i searched for houses while i moved stuff around it was a lot of being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and at times I felt that I had to force myself to be uncomfortable to grow but I was very patient with it so when I do tell people look I was still living in the same roof as we were sleeping in the same bed as we're broken up it's when you say it you realize how sort of crazy it sounds and how much patience you needed for something like that
0: yeah and you know, you need to have that desire, right? Because you can easily revert back if you're yeah, in that exactly. environment, right?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's something, that's an aspect. That was a strong aspect as well. Falling back into that familiarity of confident in the situation. I know you go through the whole, you can be friends with your, you can be friends with your ex, but again, that's just falling back into familiarity, moving out to this apartment, it was very good for helping me not fall back. It made it harder for me to fall back into familiarity. So I think that's why it was a lot easier to get past that situation. But that situation did teach me a lot of patience because while I was trying to make it easier for myself, it was very hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that sounds, that sounds insane. <laughs> what is a characteristic about yourself that you find really valuable that you would like to find in other people?
1: Uh, persistent. Like I, I'm i very persistent and that's actually what I want to bring out in other people. I love seeing people bring out their full potential or when they realize their own full potential. Um, so I, I'm i sort of a motivator. I like to motivate and I like to bring people's spirit up and I'm very persistent in it. Like I, I will... My mom always used to tell me that she always brings up a story of how I how learned how to ride a bike without training wheels in one day and doing things like I would read encycl- Like I had a little encyclopedia when I was a kid. And I remember saying to my dad, I'm going to finish this. You're going to buy me this bike. And the bike he bought me was a bike I learned how to ride in one day. And my mom always puts those two stories together. But she said, as a kid, you were very persistent. If you wanted something, you would go after it. And that's something that I want to, that's a mindset I want to put into other people that something that has been done, you can do it as well. You just have the persistence and the patience to go after it.
2: Yeah. So that's that's something I'm
1: really pushing.
2: Okay.
0: Cool. How was this conversation for you? Like, is this the first podcast you've done? Is this like the first type of conversation you've done on a podcast? Like, how did you feel? getting into it and now after the interview uh
1: this is the very first podcast ever i've done oh yeah i have pretty much not no never done anything like this before pretty much i i listen to podcasts but i've never really never really been onto one but i think you obviously you're amazing you're you're good <laughs> i <laughs> i have i have more to i like i like I was talking about before, having opportunity to let the other person jump in. I think right now podcasts are a really good one. They're two way. So that's something that I can do a lot better at, obviously creating the space for that two ended conversation. I'm not, I can't speak for you on how you felt me as a guest, but I hopefully I did well, but (laughs) it's just first podcast and learning how to have those harder hitting conversations. Because when we, we do talk when we do talk about this stuff, it does bring back memory. It brings back memories, but it's good that I've gotten over it. It brings back memories to a time that was not so easy. Mm-hmm. And expressing that in a way that's coherent and will make sense.
0: Was it hard to express? Yeah, yeah, a little yeah.
1: bit. A little bit hard, yeah.
0: And how do you feel now? Like, do you feel like it's easier? Are you Are gonna do more of it? Like.
1: I would, definitely, I would definitely do more of it because doing more of it will help me improve, help me improve in spreading, uh, spreading my overall message and spreading the story. It'll help me, repetition will just help me improve. So it is definitely something that I would like to do again. And it's something I want to cultivate because if I am wanting to motivate others, how uh, like how better way to practice than to be doing something like this
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: having these com- having those harder hitting conversations
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and and these are the you know the, the sticky ones right that like yeah. has the most impact but it's like so uncomfortable to do yeah yeah and you, yeah you have to like push through it um were there any topics or things that we talked about that you would like to invite another man to elaborate On further in another episode on the show
1: I would like to get more elaboration on something like guys talking to other guys about mental uh, like mental strain and mental loneliness because I find that it's in my circle of friends I only have a select few people who I know I could talk to this about but and it's how you approach having a friend come to you with more sensitive issues
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I think there's a lot of vulnerability and trust right that you have to to give to get to that subject you know and sometimes I'm really surprised that I can do that to total strangers (laughs) I I think it's easier because I'm a woman you know what I mean that Mm. like there's a there's a natural nurturing aspect to that whereas I think guys talking to other guys there's um there's a feeling that they might think of you as weaker or something
1: yeah exactly it's because because the it comes back to what i said before about ego and not wanting to seem more vulnerable to the other person because it almost seems like it's putting you below them which which is it's like it's a very like toxic way of thinking but it's a reality of some people's situation Mm -hmm.
0: okay my last question to you is how would you start to find more guys to share this topic with like to talk like this in in more more of a vulnerable state in the future
1: okay so the way i'm trying to right now i'm trying to be well i'm trying to be more open myself i'm trying to spark those conversations with my friends and hopefully in doing the same and showing vulnerability and showing that it's okay and nothing hugely bad is going to happen you're not going to get big backlash opening myself up will show other people that it's okay to open up as well by learning how to open myself up more and practicing it with my friends always checking up on them opening up starting those a little bit harder conversations i hope in turn that they can learn if they need to open up or if they need to share that it's okay to have that person to share that with and even if it's me if it's not me if it's another friend just letting them know that they're able to talk to me about it as well Mm -hmm. yeah and i'll do that through obviously sharing with them like you said before for someone to get vulnerable with you you need to show a level of vulnerability to them they won't open up to you otherwise
0: yeah i see why you think that um Patience is a really big thing, because I think on my end, I just want people to get there, like mm. <laughs> to be on my level, like just get right into the deepness. and it's like I can't like you have to slowly get there and and show more instances of like, hey, this is okay, and like kind of encourage that like this is a safe place to to be that vulnerable. I think I've sometimes forget how hard it is to be vulnerable. yeah, um, and like kind of that gentle approach, like slowly getting there
1: it's like nudging nudging. yeah yeah
0: for sure that's definitely something i could learn cool is there something that you learned uh from this conversation today that you were you didn't expect
2: uh
1: something that i learned uh when we were talking about how opening up to someone when you physically see that they're upset i didn't realize that before I didn't realize that was the case. That is something I learned, like from this conversation. I I saw a different perspective on it. I didn't see it from the other angle. I only saw it from the I've seen that someone is upset. I don't want them to think it's personal.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's always like a reaction, right? It's like oh, mm. shit, like I don't want you to think this way about me. But then it's like wait a minute. Let me like proactively tell you exactly. how it is and like make sure it's clear, right? And mm. that's that's a harder one because. You have to be very, very direct. Um, Yeah. And that's, you know, super awkward at a lot of times. Has it been hard for you to get back into being social and hanging out with people after the lockdown? I think it's crazy that we've all had to experience this form of isolation together at the same time. And yet everyone's experiences are different. What does dating look like for you now? And could you relate with our man in isolation or not? Let me know what you think and make sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda on Instagram, and I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Must Men.